Welcome to When Women Preach. My name is Miriam Cho, and I will be your guest host today. I am the sound editor of this podcast as well. This podcast is a project of the Innovative Space for Asian American Christianity. Young Lee Hertig is the program director and the usual host of this podcast. It is funded by the Louisville Institute in order to help Asian American and Latina women get the tools they need to become more effective preachers. Today, we have two very special guests, Anna Kang and Jennifer Chu, who are both church planters currently based in Los Angeles. And we're very excited to have them because you don't really see a lot of church planters who are women of color, let alone Asian American women. So I'd like to give them both a chance to introduce a little bit about themselves. Yes. Thank you, Miriam. Um, Thank you for this conversation. Um, My name again is Anna Kang. And my husband and I church planted um, in 2000. Well, this is our second church plant. So we church planted the house LA in 2007 and um, it's in downtown LA and we're in a parking lot. So that's a long story how we ended up there, but we are currently um, some maybe 6,000 square feet modulars uh, parked on a parking lot. Very interesting. And it's been fun. That's a very um, unique church description to put on the website. (laughs) (laughs) And then Jennifer, we're very happy to have you as well. Can you um, just tell us a little bit about yourself? Thank you. Uh, Our church is uh, started on 2014 uh, at Ski Row at the uh, parking lot also. So, but right now, because of this virus, we cannot get into uh, Skiro to continue our service. So we temporarily moved to 23rd Street uh, outside the Skiro on 23rd uh, Street in the church's parking lot and continue our service uh, to the communities. So both of you have churches currently in parking lots. That's right, right? <laughs> I guess that's the trend. Yeah. Um, so Jennifer, you lead a church in Skid Row. Um, can you tell us more about how that started? How did God call you to that kind of ministry? That uh, in 2014, April, that uh, I just out of the jail for a couple months. That's the first time I visit there. And it very touched my heart. And uh, I just give my heart to the people over there, then I think, how sh- how can I start? And I have nothing, and um, I just have a heart, want to serve. So I follow a, a mini- ministry, original, they served there. And uh, in April 17, they suddenly announced that the ministry withdraw. They gonna stop that ministry. So I just just step in, and the God speak speak through me says announce this is God's ministry. No one can can stop it. So I I started, but I was scared when I God says uh, I'm going to taking over that uh, ministry without uh, any support uh, financially or manpower. But just a guy already say that. So afterwards, I 
I pray and I told God, I said, I know you want me to do this, but uh, I need need your help and support. Just right after I finished my prayer, I got my first job. <laughs> I hired and has people. Uh, the older ministry has some ladies and approach me and tell me, Jennifer, can I join you? I said yes. <laughs> So everything there financially and the manpower, the, uh, the volunteer is in place. So the following week, we, we didn't uh, stop. We just continue. And since then until now, then we just keep uh, doing it. But uh, beginning, we just a uh, ministry. But in my heart, I think the, the word is more important than, than the food. The soul food is more important than, than the physical food. So I pray, I ask God again. I say, I, we need a place that people sit down so we can share the gospel. Then, well, about two weeks later, this parking uh, auto shops parking lot uh, owner called me and asked me, say, uh, Jennifer, if I let you use my parking lot, what do you want to do? I say, I want to use the parking lot to do the ministry and I have a, one side, I have a place for, for our friends to sit down so we can preach the words to them. We can set up a church there. Then he, he say, Jennifer, you got the key. Tomorrow you come to get the key. So then we started our church service started in um, 2016 Easter, exactly Easter that day we start our service. It's really amazing that sometimes yeah. everything does kind of line up as we're on the topic of um, how God just calls us in mysterious ways and we are sometimes led to plant churches of all things. Can you give us a little bit of background on how you ended up at um, the house? Anna? So when I, I guess, met the Lord, I did feel like I was called into a full-time vocational ministry. I didn't have those words yet because I grew up in a non-Christian home. So I didn't have the Christian lingo. Um, I just felt like, oh, I think I'm supposed to do something for God, as in, I think my life will now be drastically changed because I've had this experience. And so um, I went to college and did my biblical studies. Um, and then I thought, oh, gosh, I don't really know very much. So uh, my friend, um, you know, and I was so ignorant. I didn't even know that seminaries existed. I didn't even know um, any of those things. And my friend um, just said, hey, I'm at Fuller. Why don't you just come? And I was like, okay. <laughs> so I just came and I thought, oh, okay, well, maybe this is what I will do. So it was not that I knew that I was going to be a church planter. I didn't even know what a church planter was. Like I said, I had no Christian background. Um, and then I met my husband in seminary and we got married. And, you know, the normal um, seminary couples do. You start in youth, <laughs> youth ministry. So that's how our, um, I guess, quote unquote, ministry started um, as a couple. And then I had... Um, 
children and we just kind of thought okay well we'll go into a regular church and be associate pastors and etc but um i think there were things that happened along the way um, a lot of maybe some disappointments um that kind of shape your outlook a little bit and then you have to through those disappointments you kind of have to dig a little deeper um and wonder lord where is this, uh, what are you calling me to next? And so it wasn't like we um, started out going, we're going to be church punters. And I think when we started in 2007, that was, um, I think a lot of people started church planting back then, but that was not our goal. And so we kind of stumbled upon it actually. And, um, and so we started a church, but it wasn't like, I felt like we took a step and we're like, oh, maybe that was a wrong step or we took another step and we're like, oh, okay, um, this leads to another step. And somehow we came here. So I, I feel kind of bad because, you know, I don't have that story. It's like, yes, you know, I heard from the Lord. I mean, yes and no. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I think sometimes we stumbled through it. And a lot of times I felt like, why are we doing what we're doing? And I, I have to say, I have, you know, have said to Louie, I'm like, Louie, are you sure that this is what you want to do? Because I'm okay if we, um, you know, I don't know, sell cars. <laughs> um, and so, yeah. and so um, yeah, so I think I'm more of the reluctant church planter. It actually gives me a little bit of relief um, being a person in their late 20s with not a clear picture of what God wants me to do for the rest of, you know, who knows yes. when, um, just kind of taking it one step at a time. And I liked having both Jennifer and you explain um, how you were called, because I think calling does come in different ways. So yes, that's encouraging. Thank you. <laughs> I'm sure for other listeners, too, who might be on here. Anna, you had mentioned how challenging church planting was. And I imagine Jennifer probably had yes. <laughs> challenges as well. Um, could you describe some of those challenges and how how you as, you know, clearly you're, you look Asian, you are Asian women. Um, how do you think that affected the church planting process itself? At the beginning, it has a lot of challenges. Like uh, in my heart, I feel like I'm a hypocrite there because when they uh, need a hug, I hug them. But I, in my heart, I was thinking, "Oh my God, the the smell and the 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 um the person's uh the dirty." So I I feel very guilty. I I when I went home, I just pray. I said, "Lord Jesus," I said, "God, you want me to do this ministry? You gotta help me because every." Every pe person met me, they they know I love them, but in my heart I have the that kind of rejecting the environment as it take my sense of smell away. After I pray, the next week I went back, I don't smell anything. Wow, mm, wow! I see the people change their mind. And uh, several people, uh, brothers, uh, out of Skiro, and uh, we helped them to set up their apartment and uh, buy things for them. And they will come back, occasionally come back on Sunday. Said Jennifer, we are coming back to check out, check out uh, on you. Are you still here? I said, until and unless God moved me, I would always hear. They said, can can we? come to help? I said, sure, you can come to help. I said, your help 
is set up a good example for the people still here. So we have several uh, um, several um, volunteers as out of Skiro is on their on their feet now and uh, back on the society have a job and Sunday then uh, like once a month they will come come back to help out. Then uh, we try to help them to uh, uh, find a sober living and uh, uh, looking for job. Yeah, I loved the story about um, how you suddenly did not have like a sense of smell <laughs> <Yeah>. anymore. <laughs> because I think you, I mean, this is just my take, but I think you mean it both in a physical way, but then also kind of a mental yes. way as well, um, that God lifted this sort of um, conditioning upon you that, you know, I think all of us have been kind of taught to think of people experiencing homelessness as like lesser or, you know, not as clean, but it's really amazing to see God can also change that kind of um, mindset. Um, Anna, yes. I uh, also wanted to ask you about the beginning phases of your church and what sort of challenges you faced. And also specifically, how did you think your context as being an Asian American woman influenced that process? It's interesting when you ask me that question. Um, part of why is because I'm immersed in this Asian American culture. I came to the States when I was eight. So I think um, it's been all my life. So when you ask me in particular, how was it difficult for you um, in church planting? Um, I began to think, were there any um, times where I was like, there were discrimination, mm. you know, things. And it's actually very subtle. It's a subtle mm -hmm. way of reminding you that you're not as valuable, I guess. Um, you don't matter as much. Uh, and it's not like anybody particularly told me that, you know, I just remember um, subtly like the standard of beauty, for example. Right. And so I think that kind of infiltrates into spirituality and, you know, um, into church ministry. I take that into church planning. It's kind of the same in some ways. Um, I think what it is, is if you look around you, um, the mega church pastors are mostly white, right? Um, totally. And so it's hard to, I feel very careful saying these kind of things because I don't, no, it's you know what I mean? it's, it's hard to have these conversations, but I think there's a certain internal expectation that we have to do it like who's done it before us and who's done it before us is not really Asian, you know? And so what I'm saying is that there, you have a sense that you feel like you have to measure up to this kind of invisible standard and the invisible standard is not Asian, if that makes sense. And so I think one of the most difficult things about church planting, um, I guess anything about ministry is getting over yourself, you know? Um, and so I think throughout this, these years of church planting, I feel like more than me ministering to the people who walk through our doors, God has been speaking to me about who I am because I really do believe you can only minister out of who you are and trying to find my identity as an Asian American woman and really accepting that and really being comfortable in that. It's probably the confidence that I never grew up with 
not only because I'm Asian American, because our family and my home of origin, we were in a broken home. So all of that, but it's also, it's because we were also an immigrant family. So just naming it now to say, yeah, I am Asian American. Mm -hmm. What does that look like for me? What, how does spirituality look like? And could I, as an Asian American um, pastor, someone of different color, ethnic, cultural background, like, can I be me and discovering who that is and what that is? I think it's just um, this, this kind of um, subtle but overarching kind of um, limitations maybe that we have put on ourselves because we've grown up that way um, that kind of keep you stuck in certain areas. I'm curious, Jennifer, you had mentioned you started preaching in a prison context. I think it's interesting because you're in a context where it was only possible for a woman to teach other women since you don't have male inmates. And I was wondering um, if you encountered any sort of opposition or like, how was that experience for you in other contexts starting out? As in the skill role to do a ministry and uh, have a church has a challenge there because they are quite new with uh, what is church, although in the past, before we have church, after service, uh, serving food, I will pick up some people, uh, take them to the church, and take them to uh, join the uh, Christmas candle night and has uh, Thanksgiving have dinner with with me and my home. That time I still have my house. Now I don't. And one day they they came out of the church and they told me, Jennifer. We love church, but we don't feel we fit in. In that time, I envisioned that Jesus Christ preached to the 5,000 on the open ground. Just in, in front of my eyes, I said, we have a church. Jesus Christ already gave a church. The name is called Church Without Wars. We don't need a war. We want that all people can hear. Because uh, when that time, uh, some some friends told me just cr cross street has a building uh, was empty. They say, uh, Jennifer, if you talk talk to the owner, maybe the owner will let you use the building. I said, I don't want building. I want the open ground. I want oh, wow. all the people who have ear to hear. You know, there's so many things that we offer to this world as women and Asian American women and whatever identity we carry that sometimes we're the ones who, that have to connect a particular community. And I, I find that interesting that you you were the one who, who was there and who was you and you were just the right person for that community, you know. Um, so I thought that was really cool. Anna, I know we had talked before about um, your experience in a cult. How does that influence the way you lead and church plant now? I think I got involved in the first place uh, with a very abusive group because I was really broken. And so I think this is just another reminder that um, we are shaped by faith, but we also see and hear what we want to see and hear. And if we don't allow a deep, transformative work and we are not open to that work how we can become very damaging to someone else whether male or female 
And I think for me in particular, um, I didn't grow up with my mom. I, you know, we were, um, my dad married a lot and he just, you know, he, he had his own traumas, uh, but I grew up in a home where I grew up with four other stepmoms and my mom. And so I think I always longed for a mom. I, you know, when I came to the States, I was always alone. And I remember watching Brady Bunch and I thought, wow, I want that kind of family. And, you know, we're not a broken family. So I thought, wow, they do white people live like that, you know? <laughs> um, so I was like, oh my gosh, you know, and even the way they handled conflict because of this deep longing I had, I spiritualized it. You know what I mean? And so um, when I found this group with a woman pastor who called her, uh, quote unquote, disciples, her kids, I was so attracted. I wanted somebody to take care of me, but I see that she was in a lot of pain um, and she refused to look at some of those things in her life. And, and when you don't look at those parts of yourself, those shadow parts, um, you can really um, bypass a lot of these things and spiritualize it. And so it can cause a lot of damage to other people. So how does that affect my, um, the way I participate in ministry? I am very, very uh, passionate and um, I take very seriously my own work. Um, I, I think about I, why I do the things I do. I have mentors. And also I make sure that I'm very transparent and open. At least, I, you know, because I'm in a place of authority at church, for example, and I know people will look up to me and I know people will desire things from me, but I let them know that what they see on Sundays is not all to me. Um, it's not that I just share all my weaknesses. It's not that, but I try to be as real and I try to share with people um, how I process these things with God. So they know um, that I'm not this holy person standing there trying to tell you what to do. Rather, I'm trying to share with you how I met God in a certain situation and that you can too. Hmm. Yeah. Pastoral accountability. I feel like that's something missing from the seminary curriculum. I appreciate all of you as well for being willing to spend an hour and seven minutes with me. Thank you so much, Miriam. Thank you for tuning in to the fourth episode of What Women Preach. This podcast is a project of the Innovative Space for Asian American Christianity, which is doing a number of projects in order to help Latinx and Asian American women become more effective preachers. If you'd like to check us out, our website is isaacweb.org.